helping you navigate the daily struggles and blessings of life. This is Call Me Catholic with Peggy Normandon. Well, hi kids. Welcome to class. It's our back to school edition of Call Me Catholic today. I am your host, Peggy Normandon, and it is my privilege to introduce you to a very distinguished, well, I'm going to call him a man of letters. Dr. Michael McLean is the president of Thomas Aquinas College in Santa Paula, California. Now, Santa Paula is a beautiful Southern California city situated amidst the orchards of the Santa Clara River Valley, and it's not too far from Santa Barbara, which I know you've heard of. It's the ideal aesthetic setting for a small Catholic college that offers a classical curriculum spanning all the major arts and sciences. Founded in 1971, Thomas Aquinas College has received high honors by all the major college review organizations, Princeton Review, U.S. News and World Report. Kiplinger's calls it one of the 100 best values in private colleges. And Dr. Michael McLean has been on the faculty of Thomas Aquinas College since nearly its founding, uh, serving the school in a variety of different capacities. In 2009, though, he was appointed president, president of the college, and he joins us in the studio today to talk about this exceptional Catholic school. Dr. McLean, welcome to Call Me Catholic. Thank you, Peggy. I'm very happy to be here. I appreciate the invitation. Sure. Well, you had to sit through our Call Me Catholic countdown this morning, which listed the top five uh, pieces of advice I would give incoming freshmen. You must have been sitting here coming up with your own list. Did you have anything you wanted to add to that? Well, I do want to comment that uh, I thought your advice, uh, all five pieces were really very good and right to the point. It gives me an opportunity to mention that... uh, your fifth piece of advice uh, had to do with students not hiding in the back of the room. Well, at Thomas Aquinas College, all our classes are small, 17 or 18 students, uh-huh. all gathered around a discussion table in a seminar format, and it's impossible for the kids to hide. <laughs> they all have to be front and center, and they're all encouraged uh, to participate in the conversations we're having about the great books. And that's the gets me to the second piece of advice you had, which is really engage in your studies and really take them seriously. Well, since our students are required to participate in these conversations, they have to prepare diligently and faithfully day in and day out to take an active role in their education. So uh, Thomas Aquinas College, we've anticipated some of the pieces of advice you've given. Uh, I think among the most important things, uh, as you mentioned, is uh, connecting with your spirituality and your Catholic mm-hmm. character, if you happen to be Catholic, And that's one uh, piece of advice I would echo and emphasize, that uh, it's very important for young people to, uh, particularly those who are Catholics, to to form the habit of daily prayer and daily worship. So we have four Masses a day on our campus. There's opportunities at all times for students to come and and attend Mass, receive the sacraments. Uh, We have four chaplains who uh, devote themselves to spiritual direction, and administering the sacraments of the church. So we have a very, very vibrant spiritual life that I think addresses that most important piece of advice you gave. Well, I want to dig into this because uh, the Thomas Aquinas College curriculum is fascinating and unique, especially in the context of our modern culture. And if you would like to join our conversation, if you have a question or a comment for Dr. Michael McLean, he's an expert, give us a call at 714-282-6034. That's 714-282-6034. Marvelous Matt, our call screener, will bring you in to our very, very interesting conversation. So, Dr. McLean, we have a global audience, and your college is here in Southern California, so we know you well. But I would like you to tell our listeners a little bit about the history of Thomas Aquinas College. Why was it founded? How was it founded? How has it evolved? 
Well, thank you, uh, Peggy. Uh, the college was founded by a group of faith-filled and very courageous lay people in the late 1960s uh, when they f- uh, put together the mission statement. It was actually kind of a typewritten document of a mission statement for the college. And it was founded uh, partially uh, in response to the uh, tendency of Catholic schools at that time to uh, to water down their Catholic commitment, their Catholic character. So this is the late 60s, early the late, 70s? The late 60s, that's right. Mm-hmm. The Land O'Lake Statement was signed by a group of major Catholic universities in the country in 1967, in which they declared, uh, oddly enough for Catholic institutions, their independence from the Church right. and from the authority of the, of, uh, the, of the Catholic Church. So... Our founders were concerned about that on the one hand. On the other hand, they had a very positive uh, and coherent vision of what Catholic education ought to be, and they uh, put together a mission statement uh, reflecting that vision, and I think very much in the spirit of Vatican II, which really called on lay people to take an active and uh, engaged role in the life of the Church and in Catholic evangelization, I think they took that very seriously and decided to set out on their own and establish a college uh, with really, uh, at the time, no uh, facilities, no students, no, no alumni, and very little money. Uh, so they gathered a group of loyal uh, supporters around them, formed the first board of governors, and then with the help of the Archdiocese of Los Angeles, they were able to lease a campus on the former Claritian Seminary up in Calabasas, Mm -hmm. which is in the northern part of L.A. County, and began in 1971 with 33 students. How do you find those students? I mean, how do you find them when you when you aren't even in school yet? Well, I tell you, it's a challenge, (laughs) uh, but uh, they were they were persistent and worked hard at it and found uh, young people who were willing to take a chance on a school and a program that really had no history right. uh, and no track record. It was record kind of a show. gamble. <laughs> it was very much a gamble. And I really I think a faith-filled leap for a lot of those parents and students. So they began, as I said, in 1971 with 33 students. And then um, eventually the archdiocese had to uh, dispose of the uh, the former seminary. And so our founders set out trying to find another location and eventually, after a couple of years of searching, found uh, this property in Santa Paula. Beautiful property. It's a beautiful property. And um, the gentleman who was at, at the time buying the property offered to donate 135 acres to Thomas Aquinas College. So so we're in Santa Paula because of the generosity of a donor. Isn't that amazing? Who, uh, who gave us a gift of this land. And uh, I can recall uh, when I came out here to interview for a teaching position at the college, my parents were living in Garden Grove at the time, and I brought my mother and father up there to show them where I was hoping to teach. And all I could show them was an empty field uh, <laughs> with a few cattle on it. And you could tell I them said, you were going to be outstanding in the field. Exactly. <laughs> I said, uh, Mom, Dad, this is where I hope to teach. And my mother said, you know, uh, Michael, I, thought, uh, I really thought you made a mistake majoring in philosophy when you went to college. But I said, no, Dr. MacArthur, our president, has promised that we'll have a campus built out in five years. And uh, now, some uh, 45 years later, we're close to having our campus complete. But for me, uh, the years at Thomas Aquinas College have been joyful, have really um, given me an opportunity to devote, my, to devote myself to the kind of education I really believe in. Well, you were really kind of one of the founders in the early um, history of the college that took a gamble. You know, you had to bring your mother out to a field and say, I can see the school here. You can't, but I know That's it's right. going to be there. That's right. 
And uh, as I say, it's been a very, uh, very great privilege for me. Um, I learned, I sort of discerned uh, while I was an undergraduate up at St. Mary's College in Moraga that I wanted to commit myself to uh, to teaching and to specifically teaching in a great book style program because I had experienced that at St. Mary's as an undergraduate. Yes, they still offer that. And they do. They have a, a, a pretty strong great books component up at St. Mary's. Um, but you are exclusively, and this is what I want, and by the way, we're talking with Dr. Michael McLean, who is the president of Thomas Aquinas College in California. Explain to our listeners what a great books curriculum is. Okay, well, uh, thank you, Peggy. I think what really drew me to Thomas Aquinas College was the fact that the curriculum of the college is is coherent and complete and is really uh, put together in a way that enables students to grow in their knowledge and love of God because the the courses are organized in such a way that they they begin for example the study of theology with the study of scripture they work through the fathers of the church and then to saint thomas and the philosophy program is organized in a similar way and it really makes it possible for young people to advance in their um, appreciation of their Catholic faith and develop into mature and intelligent young Catholics, which we so much need in our culture today. Well, do, so it is exclusively done with books that were written by the great thinkers of our civilization. They really aren't textbooks. That's exactly right. So the the other important aspect of the of the college's program is that we really want to introduce young people to the best things that have been thought and written, mm-hmm. and those uh, works which have really stood the test of time and have most effectively addressed the fundamental questions that we all face as human beings as we live out our time uh, on Earth. Um, so our students uh, start uh, at the beginning reading uh, the Iliad of Homer, the Odyssey of Homer. They read uh, Plato's uh, many of Plato's dialogues. They study some Aristotle. As I mentioned, they study scripture. And it goes on that way through the entire four-year curriculum. Let me ask you something. So every student entering Thomas Aquinas College has the exact same curriculum, is major, is basically has the same major, has the same formula going forward? That's exactly right. So there's no option to say, oh, I'm going to take this class. No, there of- are no electives and no options. Okay. It's, uh, I, I, I often uh, compare it to... Uh, to Navy SEAL training. If you if you want to be a Navy SEAL, you have to follow up. No options. <laughs> uh, no options. There's a rigorous course of training you have to go through, and if you fail one part uh, as a as a potential SEAL, and then, then frankly, that means you're not going to be successful. So we do something similar at the college. Uh, it's not as physically challenging as SEAL training, but but it's similar <laughs> from an academic point of view. Sure. Um, so they do have to take all of the all of the classes in the in the same order. And one of the great advantages of that is it really lends itself to forming an intimate community of friends because the students are all studying the same things. Mm-hmm. They're going through the same kinds of challenges. They have the same questions, the same difficulties, and it really makes for an intimate community of friends. Uh, which which uh, brings to mind a question about your retention rate. I know that universities grapple with with freshmen falling out. You know, it's very, very, but 30% of freshmen drop out um, their first year or even their first semester. Do some kids get there and say, this isn't the cruise I signed up for? Well, of course, uh, that happens. Uh, You know, young people aren't always perfectly uh, accurate in their discernment (laughs) of what they want to do. But typically, we, uh, we admit 102 freshmen each year, and our typical graduating class is 90. 
Okay. So we're we're graduating about ninety percent of the students that enter. Now some some of those ninety graduates rotate back in after they've left for a year or two for whatever reason. But but our retention rate is very good, and I attribute that to a number of things. Uh, one of them is that many of our freshmen have completed our two-week high school program okay. that we offer every summer. We just had 140 young young people from all across the country on the campus for two weeks. It gives them the experience of our academic life, our spiritual life, and our social life. Sure, and it's fair to, to introduce them to that. I would think any incoming freshman would want a sample of this is this is the life. Absolutely, and yeah. they, they, they need help in dis- determining and sure. discerning whether this is really the program for them because it is so unique. And so specialized. Well, I want to talk more also about the profile of student that comes in. Um, I noticed that you have a pretty equal ratio of men and women. We do. Yeah, which is very impressive because we most do. colleges have far more women than men. Right. So that's that's good for the guys. <laughs> I think it. Uh, I think it's good for the guys, and it's good for the uh, good for the discussion and for the discussion, the academic life, and obviously the social life on the campus. You know, I pulled a quote from your website that was from one of your students that I thought was so impressive, and she said, "Real diversity of opinion is welcomed here. The tutors appreciate it when you have a well thought out objection, but you always have to be prepared to back your opinion with a sound argument." I love that, and that is uh, we should be seeing more of that in college education. Dr. Michael McLean is with us today. He is the president of Thomas Aquinas College in Santa Paula, California. We're learning why this small Catholic college has been recognized by all the college assessment organizations as outstanding. It's a liberal arts college with a four-year classical curriculum anchored faithfully in the truths of the Catholic Church. Maybe you have a question or comment for Dr. McLean? Well, give us a call and join our conversation. We respect the Socratic method here on Call Me Catholic. The number is 714-282-6034. Again, that number is 714-282-6034. I'm sure some of you have kids going off to college, and you'd like to know more about this particular college life or what you can do to best prepare your kids to get the best education they can as they go off and leave home. We'd love to hear from you. More college talk when we return. I'm Peggy Normandon, and you're listening to Call Me Catholic on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Exploring the perils and blessings of embracing a Catholic identity. This is Call Me Catholic with Peggy Normanton. Hi there, everybody. Hey, sound the school bells. We're back in the classroom today. I am Peggy Normanton, and it's our back-to-school edition of Call Me Catholic. Our guest today is Dr. Michael McLean, president of the highly respected Thomas Aquinas College here in Southern California, a small but sterling liberal arts college with a four-year classical curriculum crafted to actually make students think, not just spew back information. Imagine that. And if you have a comment or a question for Dr. McLean about his college or about college life in general, I don't think you can find a better source for your inquiry. Give us a call at 714-282-6034. That's 714-282-6034. Marvelous Matt, our call screener, will line you up to join our dialogue. Now, if you were part of our earlier conversation, you heard Dr. McLean lay out the history and curriculum and kind of philosophy of Thomas Aquinas College. Now I want to dig into student life because I think therein lies a huge challenge. Now, Dr. McLean, you went to undergraduate at St. Mary's College in Moraga, California, beautiful little school up in Northern California, and then you 
earned your doctorate in philosophy at the University of Notre Dame. And I might add that in between there, you served uh, the Peace Corps for a year and several years with the United States Coast Guard. But that was still a while ago, and this is now. How would you compare student life from when you were experiencing college to how you see student life going on campuses across America? Well, uh, that's a good good question, uh, Peggy. I think now uh, there's uh, in the, in the kind of cultural and social atmosphere that we that we have today, uh, there's a much greater emphasis on uh, what you might call political correctness on campuses. Right. As an undergraduate, uh, my experience at St. Mary's was very much like the experience at Thomas Aquinas College, where I was there to study the great books and really uh, confront the great ideas and great questions of human experience. And the faculty at St. Mary's was very open to discussion and very willing to hear all different points of view. And I think the same is true at Thomas Aquinas College. While it's true that most of our students are Catholic, we still uh, take a very serious approach to the questions that um, we all have to face as human beings in the moral life, in the spiritual life, for example. Mm-hmm. And we really welcome uh, diverse points of view, particularly in the classroom. And the very authors we read, uh, some, of the, some of them, of course, are Catholic and from the Catholic tradition, but many others are, uh, in one way or another, openly hostile to Catholicism. Hmm. Uh, some of the modern <laughs> philosophers, for example. Who knew? <laughs> uh, who knew? Uh, and we think it's very important for young people, in our case mostly Catholics, to confront the uh, the ideas and principles and philosophies that kind of animate the, the modern world and mm-hmm. really uh, lie behind some of the uh, attacks and critiques that we face today of our Catholic faith. So uh, we pride ourselves on our on our openness to diverse opinions, diverse ideas, and we really do, as you mentioned, want to encourage the students to think for themselves, and really uh, come into a kind of possession of their faith and the uh, the basis for their faith, and then go out into the world and be able to be articulate and forceful defenders of their uh, Catholic religion. You, in your address to this year's graduating class, the class of 2017, gave a talk that had something to do, I'm paraphrasing it, on go out and be a Catholic, uh, act like a Catholic, be a Catholic, yeah. uh, bring the Catholic yeah. faith out there. What does a Catholic graduate look like, act like, talk like? <laughs> well, uh, I'm glad you mentioned the talk. It uh, was an honor for me to study uh, Archbishop Chaput's, uh book, Strangers in a Strange mm-hmm. Land. That formed the basis of the of the talk, and the, the, one of the fundamental themes of that book is that the, the the thing the church needs now is for Catholics to, as he put it, to live and think as Catholics, and uh, we think that's what we're doing in our educational program. And uh, what I uh, hope for our graduates is that uh, first they will uh, discern in a in a very deep and powerful way uh, what God is calling them to do. God has a plan for each one of each one of us as individuals. He speaks to us in prayer, uh, directly and personally. And we really encourage our students to develop a kind of friendship with Christ and a deep relationship with the Lord, so they can discern that call, and then uh, go out into the world and um, participate in whatever way they can in the new evangelization of the church. Um, so we have uh, graduates, I'm proud to say, many, many graduates who have have uh, discerned vocations of the priesthood and their religious life. We have others in Catholic education. We have others in medicine and business. 
uh, and law and so forth. And they're all, they're all, I think, living out their faith in the way the church has called them to do. Well, I was going to ask you about where your uh, students, your graduates, go out with this liberal arts education. A lot of people would say today, well, kids need to get a trade. They need to know a skill. A liberal arts education really isn't equipping them to go out and find a job that will pay them and support their family. How would you argue that? Well, uh, good question. I often, I'm often asked that question from parents who are sure. concerned about the, uh, the value of a liberal arts education. And one of the things I, I like to say is what we're hearing increasingly from employers that we have relationships with, and that is that they're looking for young people who can think, who can analyze uh, problems and difficulties and issues, and uh, they themselves say if they can get those kinds of students, they can train them in the specifics of, of whatever the calling might be. Mm-hmm. So that's, I think, what we pride ourselves on is is graduating young people who are deeply intelligent, deeply reflective, have have uh, attained the, uh, the the arts of uh, analytical thought and, anal- and articulation and, and articulation. articulation. Exactly, because they're in conversations day in and day out for four years, and they really do, uh, I think, learn how to conduct a conversation in a productive and charitable and, and organize way. their thoughts. You know, this brings to mind another question I want to ask you, Dr. McLean. In California recently, um, the state university system has made an announcement that soon it will no longer be mandating placement exams to determine incoming freshmen's proficiency in English and math. So in other words, if a high school didn't do an adequate job of preparing a student to go on to college, the college accepts them. The college is going to brush that. Now the California State University system is suggesting we kind of brush that under the, the carpet and just keep moving them forward, whereas you uh, are really sort of stressing those very skills and those very talents within the human person. How hard is it to get into your university, and how do you feel about this trend in the California State University system? Well, the, uh, the uh, admission standards at Thomas Aquinas College are – are uh, rigorous mm-hmm. and, and serious, and that's a reflection of the breadth of our curriculum. So, as I mentioned earlier, all of the students have to take the full spectrum spectrum of the program, and that includes four years of mathematics and natural science, in addition to four years of philosophy and theology and literature. So we have to be sure that the students are able and willing to undertake our program and uh, having a having a good foundation in mathematics and a kind of aptitude for mathematics is a very important part of that. So we look carefully at their uh, standardized test scores and their uh, obviously their grade point averages from high school and their letters of recommendation. But I think the most important element for us is an essay they write in which they answer five or six questions about uh, their high school education <clears throat> and about their uh, understanding of our program and what what they would be expected to do here mm-hmm. and about their reading habits so yeah so you have to know really, how to read before yeah, you get there yeah and you have to be serious and want to read serious books so we we take care in the admissions process and thanks be to god we've found uh, an abundant number of applicants from young people who really uh, are um well-prepared and prepared enough to come to Thomas Aquinas College and be very successful. Well, thanks be to God, Thomas Aquinas College has those kinds of priorities because otherwise we're going to be turning out a generation that can't complete a sentence that doesn't have an LOL or some other acronym (laughs) in the middle of it or something. Hey, Dr. McLean, we have a listener who's called in, Rick from Massachusetts. He's listening to Call Me Catholic on 1230 Radio. Rick, welcome to Call Me Catholic. Hi, uh, can you hear me okay? We sure can, coming all the way from Massachusetts. 
Yeah, I was uh, actually, um, I was delighted. I was coming out of a work position, coming out of Worcester, and um, uh, to hear Dr. McLean talk. Actually, I'm a graduate of the college. I was in the first class, so I kind of know what was happening. Oh, that, that first, first class of 33 students? Yeah, I was in that class, wow. and I wanted to say a couple things, which was a fantastic experience. But um, I want to tell a story, because uh, most my experience has been that a lot of graduates um, are very strongly positive for the school, as I am, and I spent uh, four of my kids there. I want to tell you an anecdote. I, I, uh, I'm a psychologist, and um, that's a field that tends to be um, kind of spotty uh, with, with, with respect to a Catholic or a Christian perspective. But I had a, a, a chance to uh, to get to know a very, very famous psychologist who, uh, God rest his soul, has been dead for a number of years. But I met him about 25 years ago at a scientific conference, and we were just having a casual conversation. He was very famous for his research in testing and statistics, uh, which is a branch of psychology. And he and I were talking about the problems we had as teachers at the time I was a college professor. And he said, yeah. He said, our students have a really difficult time, even ones coming out of prestigious universities. They have a very difficult time understanding what scientific modeling is. And I said, well, that's kind of interesting. I said, my first experience with scientific modeling was in my sophomore year at this little Catholic college out in California, and, uh, and where we studied this, uh, this Greek astronomer named Ptolemy. And his eyes got really big. He said, you read Ptolemy as a sophomore in college? I said, yeah. And uh, he said, that's one of the greatest things I've ever read. He said, I wish my students for the last 40 years teaching in the University of Minnesota had studied those kinds of things. I picked it up as a hobby. It's the greatest stuff I've read in years. Hmm. True story. Wow. Well, Rick, you said you sent your children to Thomas Aquinas College? Yeah, for those kinds of reasons. And yeah. Well, it has. And did you, you notice, how would you compare the school in its very early years when you attended to what your children's experience was? The fundamentals of the school in terms of its curricular and its spiritual focus are uh, very similar. Um, the, I mean, they've, they've obviously made some changes in the curriculum, uh, tweaks, to, but the, the core, as I understand it, is, is essentially unchanged. Um, the social life is more thorough now. They have a, a really organic social life that's very Christian there at the school. And though it wasn't unchristian when I was there, when you're so small, it's difficult to get activities going and things of that nature. To avoid that girl you didn't want to see. <laughs> yeah, that's right. There's a lot of pretty girls then, too, uh, more so now. But, uh, uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I would say that the, the, the camaraderie was at the same level, but the activity level is much more developed now, uh, largely due to the success of the administration working with the students. The, the students actually provided a lot of initiative there. So, for example... Mm. In some of the other schools that I'm familiar with that are very fine schools, there's a kind of structured spiritual formation element um, that I've had experience with when I was a teacher in other schools. And uh, at TAC, it just grew organically right out of the student life itself. There was no, there was no overarching structure that, from the administration. They just simply, I think, it was kind of like the horses were moving in the right direction, and they thought, "Why get in the way if we're going in the right direction?" And this, this, this so all kinds of devotional. That's things. the fruits of doing the right thing, I think. I think so. I think that's right. It was strongly supported by the intellectual culture of the school, and it's it, it's un, unwavering commitment to the to the Catholic mission and the teachings of the church and the authority of the church. 
I think, Rick, um, uh, this, this is uh, Dr. Dr. McLean here, and uh, I, I want to assure you, by the way, that um, we're still studying Ptolemy with our sophomores. <laughs> we haven't changed that. But uh, right. but the uh, some of the science uh, aspects of the uh, curriculum have become a little more rigorous in, in, in later years. So uh, we've added, uh, for example, the famous astronomer Kepler to the uh, astronomy sequence, who was, as you know, the first one to uh, figure out that the planets are moving in elliptical orbits. Um, and then uh, we've added uh, we've added sequences now in uh, molecular uh, biology and evolutionary biology in the senior year, and uh, of course uh, study uh, Einstein's theory of relativity and some quantum mechanics. So the the uh, science program, I think, if anything, over the years has gotten a little more challenging and a little more rigorous than uh, than in your time. But uh, but essentially, you're right. The uh, curriculum is the same now as it was in the beginning. And the social and spiritual life are certainly uh, essentially the same. No question. Fantastic. Well, Rick, thank you so much for calling in with your testimony. That's awesome. Yeah, it was, it was great. I'm glad to have a chance to connect with folks and, and have people understand what it's like at the other end. Yeah. Um, we're moving into retirement. Well, well, uh, Dr. Rick, uh, Dr. Rick of psychology, um, thank you for calling in, and God bless you, and God bless your children. Thank you so much. Take care now. Okay, bye-bye. Hey, I know that Thomas Aquinas College uh, offers the St. Bernadine Siena Library that houses 65,000 books and recordings. Well, EWTN has a library for its listeners, too, kind of a virtual library, if you will. Of course, I've talked about the EWTN archives uh, with all the classic programming available to you. I've talked to you about that before. But we also have our current radio programs available on podcasts. Now, if you have a favorite show, like Call Me Catholic, you can listen to it any time of the day by accessing our podcast. Podcast library, or maybe you've heard a live program that you want to share with somebody, or you want to listen to it again, you go to EWTN.com slash podcast, scroll down to find what you're looking for, download it to your mobile device, and voila, you have audio on demand. Because, of course, we aren't always available to hear a show at its scheduled time. Like on the West Coast here, early in the morning, shows like Morning Glory and Sunrise Morning Show are on pretty much in the middle of the night for us in California. But I can follow their podcasts on my own time. And you can, too. Go to EWTN.com slash podcast to check it out. And now back to our scheduled programming. Thank you for that, Dr. McLean. How cool to hear one of your um, alumni call in. It was great. It was uh, good, good to talk to him. I think I know who it is. Uh, well, you should if he has children going I, there, too. I, huh? I do, and his kids are wonderful. And, in fact, uh, one of them will be the uh, admissions officer <clears throat> on our New England campus. Uh, Which brings us to the expansion of, I've been mentioning that you're in Santa Paula, California, but you're soon to be on the East Coast as well. We are, uh, Peggy, and that's uh, largely due to the uh, outstanding generosity of the National Christian Foundation, who uh, for a number of years has been working to um, find a worthy recipient for the campus of the former Northfield School for Young Women, which was founded in 1878 by a Protestant evangelist, uh, Dwight L. Moody. Uh, Moody was a kind of precursor to Billy Graham and uh, was very active in evangelization, uh, mostly in the East Coast in New England. Anyway, he established a school there for young women to whom he wanted to provide a Christian education, biblically-based education, and most of those students were poor and economically disadvantaged, um, and so he went out of his way to establish the school. Well, over time, uh, he developed a, a boys' school as well, 
And then uh, eventually, after many, many years, uh, the two schools uh, consolidated, leaving the uh, Northfield campus vacant. So, uh, again, thanks to the generosity of the National Christian Foundation, we have been gifted this campus. Uh, after a, a sort of a two-year process of uh, looking at the campus, evaluating the facilities, and deciding that um, since we're committed to a campus in California of a certain size, uh, our maximum... 400 students, Yeah, right? uh, 400 would be the maximum. Mm-hmm. Uh, typical enrollment is more like 375 students. And that the size is, is by design because we really do want to have an intimate academic and spiritual small class. and social community and small classes and so forth. And we want the faculty to know the students and the students That's to nice. know one another and so forth. So, But at the same time, we've always um, been aware that um, there's there's more demand for our education than, we, than we're able to satisfy in mm-hmm. Santa Paula. So uh, our uh, admissions, uh, the number of our applications has increased pretty dramatically in recent years. And so we've thought uh, for quite a while that the way to uh, expand our reach would be to establish a second campus with the same the same academics, the same spiritual and social life. Same and that's what we're planning to do in, in New England. And when will that open, do you think? Well, the plan is to open in August of 2018, right. uh, pending the approval of the Massachusetts Department of Higher Education. We're going through a process right now to attain that approval. In fact, uh, I'll be out to the campus in Northfield at the end of August for a site visit. But it's built, so you've got the a campus, building and the, the campus is a all tremendous there. gift. Awesome. It's 100 acres of beautiful uh, countryside in the Connecticut River Valley. There are 20 buildings as part of the gift, including ample residence halls, classrooms, a beautiful yes, chapel, really. by the way, a gymnasium. Wow. And office building, so it's a tremendous opportunity. Well, congratulations! For us. That Thank is you. again a fruit of of success. When you're doing the right thing, you begin to see the virtues that it springs. I think so, Dr. McLean. In one of your statements here on your website, it says Thomas Aquinas College seeks for its students the true, the good, and the beautiful in all facets of life. And I love that because it sounds like the opening of our show. But I also think it it sort of contrasts with how people imagine campus life to be today on colleges across America. So how do you deal with these young people? Yes, they're coming in for a very traditional, very classical education, but they are also drawn to modern expressions of socialization. And, you know, what you're trying to set up there is kind of taking a step back in time. We are in a way. And how do you do that? Well, um, a a number of things. Uh, First of all, I I want to... uh, uh, make sure that your listeners understand that uh, as much as I've been talking about the academics at Thomas Aquinas College, um, that's not the whole story. Uh, well, and Rick made that very clear. Rick, Rick made it made yeah. a made a good point that we have a very vibrant social life for our students. There's a uh, uh, athletics, uh, intramural athletics, parties and dances. Our, our kids are are Catholic in the in the full sense of that word, and they're very well rounded. And uh, we have some great um, events on campus, musical events, dramatic events for the students. If, if you were ever to attend one of our dances, you'd see these kids are, are experts at ballroom dance. Oh, I love uh, And uh, they do the swing. They do the Virginia Reel. They do a host of folk dances. And the parties are really... And they remember really, it the next day. <laughs> and they do. They do. So we, we uh, really work hard to establish a community which is Catholic and which does encourage the formation of Catholic virtue. So, so we, uh, we don't allow the students to, uh, to drink alcohol on campus. 
Uh, you have single-sex dorms. We have single-sex dorms. A few, only a few colleges are still doing that. Notre Dame does it still. Right. And uh, we it think that's... so much sense. We think it's very important for the... Uh, for the socialization and maturation of young men and young women. Absolutely. And, and young women. And as a matter of fact, I have to say that, and, and Rick is an example of this, uh, we have a very, a very good record of uh, fostering Catholic marriages and Catholic nice. family life. So uh, uh, there's no shortage of... And, uh, Catholic, and the students, here's another thing that I want to point out in terms of your student life. The students live on campus unless they get married, unless they are married. Unless they are married, that's right. They live on the dorms on campus. They you don't the, have to have your kid come home after sophomore year and say, you know, Jimmy and I are getting an apartment. No, no, and that's, that's another uh, important aspect of the community life because so much of what is important in college goes on outside of the classroom. Mm-hmm. And so our students take meals together. Of course, they're socializing with one another in the residence halls. They take meals with the faculty uh, at lunch in particular. And so that that uh, social life and campus life is really an integral part of the education because so much of the conversations uh, and the learning takes place outside of, outside the classroom. Absolutely, where the conversation continues. Yes, exactly. And, and you uh, you also have a slight dress code for your campus, we which do. I think is kind of interesting. We do. We encourage uh, the young men to uh, to dress uh, neatly uh, in you know khakis and collared shirts, and we encourage. Uh, Modesty in the, in the young women, uh, but in a way that I think is sensitive to contemporary culture and contemporary styles of dress. But but we do think it's important for the students to dress in a way that reflects the seriousness of what they're doing, yeah. educationally, like dressing and spiritually. for your job, dressing for your job. Do you exactly. ever get any pushback on that from the students? We do. There's a there's a um, you know some uh, some pushback and some discussion that goes on, but we're. We're blessed, and we've been blessed for many years to have students who serve as student prefects. They're, they're the re- resident uh, prefects on the campus, and they uh, help the administration to uh, to administer the rules of residence to the students in a way that's sensitive, in a way that's uh, that's prudent and reasonable. So uh, we've been very so blessed. So they're the ones that. on the firing line. <laughs> they're the ones, at least, that are in the trenches, yeah. Yeah, I think that's really smart anyway, yeah. because I think that there's you need to have a little separation between the students yeah. and having the, the associate law enforcement with the faculty. And I, listen, I think our students actually come to appreciate the, uh, the structures do. we have in place because they they understand i think they come to understand that it's all for the sake of the of the intellectual life and the spiritual life and of you the know, college and you know you were talking also about the the sciences and the 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 art the letters and the arts and all this kind of stuff really that is all of thomas aquinas i mean he was all about the faith and the reason they are very compatible that's that, that that's a very important element mm-hmm. peggy of what we're doing uh, educationally uh in this day and age, with the kinds of challenges the Catholic Church faces and young Catholics face oh, yeah. from the culture, it's very important that they graduate with a kind of robust confidence in the uh, harmony between faith and reason, and that they go into the world um, sure of themselves as they try to defend and live out their faith. And that's a very important element of what we're doing educationally. And not only uh, confidence, but pride, a pride in their faith. So it's not uh, something that they have to hide, but they can wear it on their sleeve, you know. Call uh, me Catholic. Call that's, me Catholic. That's, what it's, <laughs> that's what it's all about. Thank and, you. And uh, I think our kids are, are uh, 
great examples of what of what you're trying to do on your program and and uh, what we think is important to be doing in the church today. That's awesome. Well, I would like to close with a prayer by St. Thomas Aquinas, and I want to thank you, Dr. McLean, for being with us today. I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation, and I can't wait to visit that campus again. From These are the words of St. Thomas Aquinas, which are great for all our students going off to school right now. Grant me, O Lord my God, a mind to know you, a heart to seek you, wisdom to find you, conduct pleasing to you, faithful perseverance in waiting for you, and a hope of finally embracing you. Beautiful words from St. Thomas Aquinas. Absolutely. St. Thomas was not only a great intellect, but he had a tremendously deep and profound spiritual life. He yeah. wrote many prayers and many hymns that are now part and parcel of the Catholic uh, Catholic he, spiritual he, life. He isn't Catholic just tradition. A, a doctor of the church. He's an angelic doctor an of angelic the church doctor. because he had yeah. that much more knowledge than, than wisdom than mere man. Hey, thanks for joining us. Check out our Facebook page. Join us again next week, same day, same time. Until then, I am Peggy Normandin, but you can call me Catholic. You've been listening to Call Me Catholic with Peggy Normandin, live from the Christ Cathedral Campus in Garden Grove, California. Call Me Catholic is a co-production of EWTN Radio and Orange County Catholic Radio. Heard weekly on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.